The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are doing Should You Bet on the Packers and Badgers Volume 1. We'll explain what that means. We will also talk about why I just cannot quit the Milwaukee Brewers and the stressfulness of moving while football season is going on. So we'll do that at the end. A little Chuck's Corner for the people. Hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, before we get started, uh, you guys know we're on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, hopefully, we're doing a lot of content on all those platforms as the football season gets ramped up. Excited for all of it. Make sure that you are subscribing to this podcast, whether it's through Apple, whether it's through Spotify. Uh, we seem to have the Apple stuff fixed, which is great. Uh, the listens yesterday were absolutely tremendous. Uh, thank you so much. I don't know if it was just because everybody was missing us this week. Uh, it was a Packer preview. If it, it just hit. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, that's awesome. Really, really fun to see that. Um, really makes me happy. Um, so I hope that it's things to continue. I hope that we're just continuing to get hot as the football season goes on. And hopefully we'll get hot with these bets. Um, and if you're already subscribed, just make sure you're sharing this out. Be sure you're telling people what, what we're all about. I need to get ourselves some paid advertisement. I do it for a living. You think I would have my podcast have a strong paid advertising machine where we could just have people subscribe to podcasts easily without really any volition. But anyways, uh, that's here and there. Uh, we will talk about the bets and we'll explain this concept. Before we get going, actually, uh, I just real quick. Uh, sorry we didn't do anything with Shannon this week. Uh, I didn't really connect with him. I dropped the ball on that. Doing a bad job. Um, I While sometimes I can make it as a host and a producer, um, I really needed to flesh out what I needed from Shannon. I haven't done that yet. Uh, definitely going to be a weekend takeaway for me to work with that and him and I figure out a schedule. It sounds like Mitch and I will be taping every Wednesday during football season. Now, I will caveat that when the Bucks play, that will kind of shift, um, unless Mitch wants to do stuff after the game, but I doubt it uh, because Mitch goes to bed early. Uh, he has an early uh, get-up time, unlike myself, who's taping this near midnight. Uh, there, That's the difference between him and I, and that's just life, right? So Mitch and I, every Wednesday, I can tell you that right now off the bat, and I can tell you that Shannon and I will work on the theme and we'll work on sort of what we have going forward. Um, I have I've a couple different ideas. Um, again, if you have feedback, you listened last Friday, I would love to hear it. Um, and yes, if we were talking today, we have a lot of conversation probably about Prince uh, as the Minnesota native. If atmosphere is cool or it's just something that white college kids like, um, uh, talking heads I think are from Minnesota. Uh, that They have some good stuff. Some stuff that you can jam to. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people. Minneapolis. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. I'm sure you guys are like screaming into your phone. Oh, Bob Dylan, also from Minneapolis. Bob Dylan, again, another guy who has mailed it in for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Like the guy mumbles like our guy Verbracken at the end of the night. Like, I mean, anyone paying for for a Bob Dylan show is out of their fucking gourd. Like, it's just to say you saw Bob Dylan. The guy, the guy is a complete mumble guy. He's worse than most mumble rappers. But anyways, those would be some of the Minnesota artists. I'm sure I'm missing some. I might look it up. And might, we might tag the back end of people I miss so you guys don't get mad at me. All right, let's talk about betting, uh, explain what this concept's all about. 
So I at one point thought that you guys didn't want betting content for me on the podcast because the numbers were low. Uh, they weren't really great. Granted, Friday podcasts can always be kind of rough because who knows what people are doing. Um, you have part of my take going out, Rosillo, uh, what else, Bill Simmons, any other football podcast. Like everybody, everybody fucking has a Friday podcast, okay? So I understand that there's a ton of competition on Friday. So that's part of it. Then I started looking into it and some of it was just, maybe I just titled it poorly and didn't explain to you what it was and that it was a little bit more than that. And then I'm talking to you, the better. And even if you're not betting this game, I think it's fun to keep up. I think it's fun to know what the line is. I will do my best early on to explain everything and say how it all works for those who do not bet um, because I think that's important. And if you're interested in getting betting, not that I want to divulge advice onto you, hit me up on social, tap in the keg or tap in the keg sports. I can give you a referral link and then we both can win. And then we both both can enjoy uh, the fruits of each other's labor. So there, there you go. But anyways, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about them against the Minnesota Vikings. So Green Bay Packers are a slight favorite with the Minnesota Vikings. They are a one point favorite uh, with bet online right now. The over under is 47. Uh, the Packers money line for those curious is 120. So what do we mean by that? Uh, it means that if we pick the money line, it has a little extra juice, but that means that we avoid the Packers winning like 26 to 25 and then getting a push, which means we just get our money back. We don't actually make the money that we put in. Uh, Packers at minus one is minus 113. So there's only a difference of like seven. I personally think it's worth just taking the extra juice to just be safe. My sort of rule of thumb on this type of stuff is if I'm betting a favorite and it's less than two points, I'm just gonna take the money line no matter what because I just don't wanna get screwed. And I think it does make sense. It's more more important for basketball, uh, but for football it can be too. If it's three points, then just take the three, right? The money line at that point is usually like 160. If you really feel like it's going to be a close game, if you really feel like there's no way this team wins by more than a field goal, by all means, um, sometimes you could buy it down, um, which we'll talk about at another time. I think you actually have to do that for the Badger. So we'll talk about that during the Badger part. So you could get it down to two and a half and then say, all right, well, maybe I maybe I do it that way. But yeah, that's my philosophy. Again, everybody's different. Everybody's going to have their own wits about them. But yes. Packers favorite, and I really like them. And I would say out of a confidence meter of I feel great, like big cap bet of the year type feel versus I'm pretty nervous about this one, I'd put myself at about a four, honestly. Like I feel really strongly about the Green Bay Packers with all the hype around the Minnesota Vikings, with the added sort of juice from Zadarius Smith this week, him bitching about Green Bay, talking about his poor experience. I think Green Bay is going to want to send a message, especially after the Los Angeles Rams were such shit on Thursday night. I think that actually motivates the Packers more. I know there could be some that say, well, the Packers didn't really play in a, pre- in a lot of preseason. Is that going to affect them? I don't think there's a correlation there. Um, one team won a Super Bowl, one team didn't. And I think there was a little bit of that hangover and the Rams sniffed their farts pretty much all off season and sucked their own dicks and said like, oh, fuck them picks, all this other shit. And it's like, yeah, but you have an offensive line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that, that Stafford's arm's a fucking noodle. Worked, he got the same treatment with Clayton Kershaw. That's awesome. But 
it, it doesn't all work out. So I'm not worried necessarily about that. I think my only real concern is that dumb shit can happen in this stadium. The Packers have not been that great at U.S. Bank. Uh, they did win in 2019 and 2020, but 2020 is a little Mickey Mouse because there were no fans. And this is one of the best home field advantages in all of football. I mean, we can all hate the Vikings. We can all talk about how much their fans think. But the U.S. Bank Stadium is a fortress. It has been one of the best ATS stadiums and it comes to a home team with the Vikings. ATS, for those unfamiliar, against the spread. Uh, so the Vikings do well there. Uh, it's, it's not wise to bet against the Vikings when they're at home. It's kind of like an auto bet almost. And if you get like the Vikings... As a home dog, a lot of people would be salivating. So the fact that the Vikings are underdogs here, I think there's going to be more of the public on the side of the Vikings than they are the Green Bay Packers, which is a great thing. I think that's that's really, really encouraging. And so I do think that the Green Bay Packers can play well in this one. I think both sides of the ball, there are areas of opportunities to take advantage of the Vikings. Offensively, I think the Green Bay Packers you know, can win at the offensive line. I think the Vikings pass rush, while it can be daunting, I don't think we've seen the Vikings pass rush like it's been a couple of years, you know, a few years ago. I think it's like that team that you, you expect it. It's kind of cliche to talk about their front seven. But in reality, the Vikings front seven really hasn't been anything special in the last couple of years. You know, gone are the days of... Eric Hendricks and gone are the days of Anthony Barr. Like those guys don't, those guys aren't there, right? Like those guys do not play anymore. Uh, so it, Daniil Hunter can barely stay on the stay on the field. Now he'll be there week one, and maybe it'll be a refresh, refresh Daniil Hunter, and it looks completely different. And this defense is suddenly vaunted. But again, Zadarius Smith back issues. Like how do we know that Zadarius Smith is going to wreak havoc? Now, if he does, it's a huge talking point on the Monday overreaction. But I, I really don't think it's something that's worth freaking out, even if Zedarius does well. But I think there's an advantage there. I think there's an advantage in this in the wide receiver secondary matchup. Even though the Packers might not have Alan Lazard, who missed again yesterday with an injury, uh, I think the Viking secondary is very bad. Patrick Peterson is washed beyond belief. Shannon Sullivan, I think we've seen all the tape we need on why Shannon Sullivan is not a regular every down nickelback. Like that's just not what Shannon Sullivan is, right? Shannon Sullivan is not that guy, um, unfortunately. I don't really look at the Vikings and say, all right, this team has what it takes from a secondary position. Harrison Smith, very good, a ball hawk, but how much can Harrison Smith do on the edges? And that's where I think the Packers can win. And I think they will. And I think you'll have big days from whether it's Romeo Dobbs, whether it's Sammy Watkins. I mean, Sammy Watkins week one has been stuff of legends. He's went off in week one. I think if you were to do any props, we won't talk a lot of props because they're not out when we're doing these these type of shows. But I will say that Sammy Watkins, anytime touchdown prop, you're probably getting, I bet you get that at like, plus 300 plus 400 so three to one odds or four to one odds that's one that i think you take advantage of all fucking day like i think that is a a great great play and then defensively i know what the vikings have but jay alexander has been very successful against justin jefferson i think eric stokes or rasul douglas whoever assumes adam thielen 
thinking it's going to be more Douglas. I think they can hang. I know Adam Thielen has been a thorn in, in our side. He's been a Packer killer. Uh, but I I still think the Packers have a little more artillery than they, they have before. Quay Walker, I think, is going to be very important you know, in the flats because that's where Thielen has killed the Packers in the past where he gets loose on a short passing route and all of a sudden he gets 12 or, or 13 yards. Same goes with Delvin Cook. I think Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, for that matter, will play an important role and not letting Delvin Cook get going. Um, it'll be very curious to see how Kevin O'Connell approaches the whole offense. I think that it's very unknown, and that might be the scary thing about betting this game, is we don't know what either of these offenses look like. And we don't know if the Vikings are going to come out and just throw, 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 and Delvin Cook is now an afterthought. Or it's going to be kind of weirdly like McVay, where McVay runs the ball a lot on first down, which is kind of persona non grata in the analytic community. The nerds go crazy when you're running the ball on first down. And it, but McVay does it. And McVay is supposed to be this analytical genius. And yet he runs the ball a lot on first down. Will Kevin O'Connell follow suit? I'll be fascinated to watch that. Vikings offensive line, it's better than it's been in years past, but that defensive line is is eight in the past and they're going to eat the, eat on sat, on Sunday. Kenny Clark has had really good success against Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury sees Kenny Clark in his nightmares. So I feel very good about all things defense. I really do. I think Packers defense is going to be a headline of week one altogether. I, I don't think that's just this game. I think people are going to come away from week one and be like, holy shit, this fucking defense is good. So I, that, that to me is like the big thing that people will draw from this. And then lastly, special teams. I worry I worry about Mason Crosby. I really do. I think that it's his first game. He hasn't had any sort of real reps. Um, that's that's going to be scary. Um, that, that is definitely something I, I'm not prepared for. Um, I know there's going to be a situation because this football and sports are dumb where Mason Crosby is going to get an opportunity from like 47 yards out early in this game, and then it's it's all going it's all going to go to shit, and he's going to miss it, and we're going to freak out, and then maybe he gets his shit together. It does help that it's in a controlled environment inside a dome, loud stadium, but inside a dome I think would help Mason Crosby. Let's hope that to be the case. I think Pat O'Donnell should thrive. I think that he will be a nice weapon for Green Bay. I do worry about the two returners for Minnesota. Jalen Rager, now a Minnesota Viking player, which is hilarious. And then their other returner, whose name was a tough last name. I will admit that. And we're pulling it up right now. Kine Nganwe. I think Nganwu. 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 Let's try again. Kine Nganwu. Uh, he... So they have, they have a couple things there. And they have two very good special teamers. And... I, I do worry a little bit that they could get loose. Um, we've had special teams issues. You hope Pit Boss Pit Rich fixes everything, but maybe it's not fixed right away week one. Um, so those are, those are some slight concerns. At the end of the day, though, I'm taking the Packers minus one. I feel pretty good about it. I don't know if it'll make my top bets, but I think it's going to, it's going to be right there. And so I'm taking the Packers minus one over under 47. I am leaning under, honestly. Um, I I would say that the under is where I would lean. So the Packers and Vikings would not score 47 points. I realize they've had two shootouts here, but if you look at kind of history 
at the stadium, it ha- they have been low scoring. I, I can't get behind that, though. 47 uh, is a weird number in general. Uh, I think if you could, if it was like 49, I think I'd be like, all right, yeah, let's take it. But 47 is a weird one. I'm going to probably pass on that. I I would go under, though. I, I don't I don't really see this as like an, a points palooza game, uh, especially to with the Packers, you know, not necessarily doing it, doing much preseason. Maybe they get out a little slow. Uh, so I, I would definitely take, I would definitely take the under if you were, but I'm not recommending it. We'll give other gambling thoughts on the NFL and college after we do the Badgers. I don't want to screw it up. Want to do the Badgers first, and then we'll go to other gambling thoughts for the NFL and college football. Then we'll talk Brewers, just so everyone's familiar with it. And you're like, whoa, we're going back to the NFL. That's why. As for Wisconsin Badgers, they are 17.5-point favorites against Washington State on Saturday at Camp Randall. I know what probably a lot of people are saying. Charlie, that's a lot of points for a Power 5 opponent. You need to understand that Washington State is not very good. And Washington State will probably be the worst team in the Pac-12. Uh, They are bad. They're just not a good football team this year. And it's not really their fault. They had a ton of transfer portals. Cameron Ward, their quarterback, we'll talk about in a second, is very exciting. But at the same time, they they have a lot of work to do. I don't want to overreact to week one, but they played Idaho, an FCS team last year, who was 4-7. Idaho lost 42 to nothing to Oregon State last year. They lost 56-14 to a very lowly Indiana team. They also got absolutely shithoused by Eastern Washington, who while in their, in their conference, Eastern Washington's one of the FCS powers, they beat them 71 to 21. Washington State was only able to put up 24 points. Washington State is not a good football team. I don't think you can look any which way about it. I understand the concerns that Cameron Ward, who is an absolute aerial assassin, could make some plays with the, against the Badger secondary that people are having concerns about. We talked a little bit about that Monday, which probably a lot of you missed, or Tuesday, because of the Apple issues. But I basically, I said, I didn't really understand the general consternation with the Badger secondary. I just didn't think it was there. Like, I didn't see it. I thought that, yeah, there were a couple deep passes made here and there, but I wasn't looking at this and saying, okay, Illinois State's, Illinois State's just carving them up. I mean, the quarterback Armstead or whatever had less than 200 yards. So I don't I don't think Cam Ward here is going to rip apart the Badger defense. I think that's kind of a lazy take in my opinion. I think the Badger pass rush is going to make things a lot lot difficult on him. Uh, it's not going to be easy for Cam Ward to get the ball off, and I think that will that will affect him. And I think the Badger offense shouldn't have any problem with Washington State, like I said, if they're giving up this many points to Idaho, I, I think the Badgers can't. And I know it's like 17. It's like, well, it's not a ton. It's, again, it's a bad football team. And they let them hang around. And so maybe that's more on the offense than the defense. Uh, but I still think the Badgers have a freak in Braylon Allen. I think he'll run wild again. I'm not worried about Braylon Allen being slowed down. I think you're going to get another good performance out of Graham Mertz. I think Graham Mertz was impressive on Saturday. I think if he does the same sort of efficient quarterbacking that we saw last week, the Badgers are just going to be just fine. If not, they're going to be better than I think people expected because Graham Mertz made a lot of smart throws in that game. He didn't really have anything that made you think, what the fuck. 
They Washington State did get to the quarterback against Idaho, but again, I stress that Idaho is not very good. Um, so I think the Badger offensive line should be just fine. I think in a game like this, more so than Illinois State or New Mexico State next week, because Washington State has some better athletes. They also have Nikita Watson, former Badger running back, uh, carrying the rock. Uh, I think you have to get out early. Like you can't let Washington State believe they have a chance in this game. Remember the Army game last year, which was it was very tight. Like Army was in it till the very end, and they pushed Wisconsin, and that's not a surprise. Army is a complete bitch to deal with. I was not shocked in the slightest that Army gave Wisconsin such a fight. But I, I do look at it and I say, all right, you you have to come out strong here. You cannot kind of be sleepy in this one. And maybe the 2.30 start, maybe that you've had a game under your belt, that will, won't affect the batters. So spread 17 and a half. I, we're kind of talking about buying points. It's minus 110. So you can buy that down to 17. I'd recommend that. It's a football number. Shout out to Rico Bosco. That way then if the Badgers do win by 17, let's say they win 17-0, okay? Uh, you basically have that, or 34-17. That's probably a more reasonable number. Uh, you have the push. So you at least get your money back. You don't win your money, but you get your money back. Could you buy it down to 16 and a half? Sure. I wouldn't recommend that. That's a full point. You're then losing a lot of juice. You're probably down to minus 130 versus minus 120. I just like buying points when it makes sense. I think it's safe. Sometimes I overdo it. I'll hand up. I'll admit that. Um, I think basketball is more important than than football, and we can talk about that another time. But I think with basketball or football, excuse me, there are just moments where it makes sense, and this is one that makes sense absolutely. Buy that point down. Uh, or buy that half point and take the Badger 17 and feel pretty good about it. I confidence level, I between Big Cat game of the year versus I'm doing the, I'm closing my eyes and spraying and praying. I would say that I'm at a, I'm, I'm at like a 4-2 uh, with the Badgers. I probably would say I feel a little more confident about the Badgers than I do the Packers, as weird as that sounds. I think maybe it's just, the rivalry, it's the lack of preseason reps, it's it's just weird shit happens there, it's the home field advantage. I think I'd say I'm slightly more confident in the Badgers than I am the Packers. Um, so that's kind of how I lean over under. So I'm, I'm torn on this one, right? So it's 49, I don't recommend taking it. But to talk it out, for those who might want to take the over, under, over or the under, the over did not hit, even though it was 38 uh, last week, I, 39. I was like, how does this not hit? And it didn't uh, because the Badgers pitch a shut up. So there is that potential that could happen again. Washington State struggled to score against Idaho. What are they going to do against one of the best defenses in college football? That could be a real fucking problem for them. So that is a case for the under. A case for the over is that Cam Ward is going to keep passing the football up and down the field until the clock stops. So even if the Badgers are out 35 to nothing, let's just say, 35 to three, like that score. That's one of those, do you have scores? We can talk about this Saturday, but like, do you have scores that you just like? Like I loved a, a score of like 41 to nothing. I think it looks great. I think it's a beautiful looking score. Um, 31 to 14, another good looking score. Um, I, I could go all day. Um, I'll, we should do that as a say. I, that's definitely a good like Tuesday, Chuck's Corner, uh, good looking scores. Uh, but yeah. 
So anyways, that sidetrack there. But anyways, so let's say we're at 38 points. It's the late fourth quarter. Like, Washington State's still going to throw the ball up and down the field. So there is that chance that you get burned, even if you take the under, that Washington State's still going to kind of gun for that over. So I would just stay away. I don't, I don't see real value on either side of that coin. Um, if, if you wanted to tease, so you could tease it. Uh, but again, the seven-point tease is a lot. That's not we, – we'll talk tease this some other day. Uh, that, I wouldn't do that. So anyways – the bets for the weekend, the bet slip for a Wisconsin sports fan would be Badgers minus 17, grabbing that point, and the Packers minus one or the Packers money line. We'll say Packers money line. I don't think parlaying them would make you much money. Actually, it would. you could parlay them if you want. I'm not a big fan of you know cross-sport and cross-day parlays because then you just have to sit on it. Like You just got to wait until it's ready to go. And I, I don't think the area of opportunity here for a parlay makes a ton of sense. All right, working back to the NFL, just a few gambling thoughts in general about what might happen in that game. All right, let's get some regular, some general NFL gambling thoughts, and then we'll go to college football, and then we'll talk about the Brewers because I just cannot quit that team. Some general thoughts for you guys. Um, now we're going to kind of keep these more inside the division um, or you know games that we know we'll all watch, um, so whether it be... Uh, Sunday night or or Monday night, if if we have no dog in the fight, right? If there's no there's no team that really impacts the Packers long term. First of all, it's home dog city. Um, there are ten home underdogs. It is a very tricky week. It's a it's a week where I think a lot of people are going to lose money. Um, I do not see this as a square week. I see this as a sharp week. I think these weeks can be the toughest because you look at it and you're like. What dogs do I take and what dogs do I avoid? And that is one of the hardest games, I think, as a gambler. I just think you you can really get yourself caught up in that all of a sudden you have eight dogs and only two favorites. And you're like, yeah, the odds that that doesn't, that doesn't work out. Dogs are usually, usually profitable early on in, in the NFL season and then it kind of flips. So that is one thing to keep in mind. Uh, I do like the Bears. I, I like the Bears outright. Like I, I'm gonna bet the Bears plus seven, but I actually like the Bears money line. I just I know San Francisco's good. I, I get it. I, I understand everything, but I I put it together and I just think the Bears are are gonna give them a fight for a variety of reasons. Number one, brand new coaching staff, a renewed energy in Soldier Field. Soldier Field, despite the struggles of Chicago. Bears, they always show up. They always show up. They're going to show up week one. Week one, everybody still thinks you have a shot, especially if the Bears are playing well. They're hanging in there against Trey Lance. I think then Bears fans are going to like get more excited and the crowd is going to get more and more hyped up. Weather's going to be rainy, I think. At least it's rainy up here in Wisconsin, so I don't know if that's the same in Chicago. But still, not kind of more bear weather, which is good. Number three, we kind of mentioned Trey Lance. Like, this is Trey Lance's first start. Oh, well, it's his second start, right? He started against Arizona. But it's his first start with the car keys to him. Jimmy G is still kind of lingering on his shoulder. Jimmy G is still there. He hasn't left. Uh, He's on the bench. There will will be pans to Jimmy G, you know, holding a clipboard, right? 
And Trey Lance has a lot of pressure. And I don't know how anyone can trust a pseudo-rookie quarterback with a seven-point spread. Now, some people could be like, well, Charlie, the Bears suck. And I'm like, yeah, but their defense, you know, had moments last year. Eberflus, their near new coach, was, I thought, a pretty good defensive coordinator. Also, the Colts were really good at those those underdog situations. So I'm going to take the Bears outright. Um, I would say that's kind of my big, like, shocking bet of the weekend. I do like the Jaguars against the Commanders as well. I'm not a home dog. I just, I don't think the Commanders are that good. Uh, speaking, staying in the NFC North, uh, Lions hype exposed by Philadelphia. I think that's happening. I, of all the home dogs, the one I like the least is probably the Lions. I think that is a fun line. It's only four. I, everyone will be like, oh, that's trap line, it's trap line, it's trap line. To me, like, I think that's more of a respect for the Lions and that the Lions are, are getting that respect because a lot of people like Detroit right now and are all on the Detroit bandwagon. And I understand there are people on the Eagles bandwagon long term, but it hasn't been bet more to the Eagles' direction. I, I'm taking the Eagles. I, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, do the Cowboys have a shot against Tampa Bay? That is the Sunday night game. I think they do. I actually really like the Cowboys. Uh, I think that I know they were undisciplined in the preseason and everything, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look disjointed this entire training camp. And I don't know if they can just flip the switch. I think they're going to need some time, and it, they don't really have it. Um, there's a world where Tampa's own two headed into their matchup against Green Bay because they have the Saints next week who are not going to be easy. So I look at this and I think that Tampa Bay could easily lose this game. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if it's a laugher in the Cowboys' favor. Lastly, on Seattle-Denver, everything says take Denver as a road dog. But I, I do wonder, will Seattle rise up? Will Russell Wilson try too much? And will it be a close game? I don't think Seattle will win. But I could easily see that being a three-point game. And it's we're all tuned in to see if Geno Smith can lead one final drive to beat the Russell Wilson-led Broncos. So I don't know about that one. That's, that's an interesting one. As for college football, uh, again, we're going to kind of do Big Ten and then just big games overall. Uh, Iowa-Iowa State, always a banger of a game. Alaska, as some will call it. Uh, when I say banger, I don't mean that it's going to be 35-31. It's going to be more like 15-10. to 10. Uh, But Iowa State's a three-and-a-half point favorite. I strongly recommend either taking the money line or just buying that down to three. I don't see this game being a blowout in either side. I, I, Spencer Petras... Let's try it again. Spencer Petras was... Awful last week, um, and I can't fathom wagering more money with him, but I probably will. Uh, Iowa at home, it's tough not to see Iowa winning the rivalry game. Iowa State still kind of trying to find out who they are. They beat a know-nothing FCS team last week, um, so I don't put a ton of stock into that. But yeah, Iowa State to me has a, a little bit of ways to go before I can start looking at them as a you know seven or eight win team. I just I don't see it just yet. Also, Big Ten stuff. I don't know why Virginia is a dog to Illinois. Illinois at home. Brennan Armstrong still at Virginia, which is crazy. I swear he's been there for eight years. I, there's a lot of guys like that now because of COVID and everything else and transfer portals and all this other shit. But yeah, Brennan Armstrong still at Virginia. I think they have a good shot, actually, uh, against Illinois. And that's really the only Big Ten stuff. They're, all other Big Ten games are 
are just meaningless. But it is a better slate than advertised. I think people are like, oh, it's not as good as last week. I feel like that always happens with week two of college football, where because there's so many games and it's spread out and everyone's like, oh my God, there's so much to watch every night. It's great. Uh, Texas Alabama will at least be a good uniform game. Even if the game's a blowout, like that's a game you throw on, just look at the uniforms, it's awesome. I still might wait my wager on Texas, which I know is dumb. I know we don't make money betting against Alabama. It's a lot of points. A lot of points on the road. A lot of respect for Alabama. And I, I just wonder, is it, a, is it an Ohio State and Notre Dame thing, even though I don't think Texas is as good as the Fighting Irish? Tennessee-Pittsburgh should be good. I have no idea why Tennessee is favored in that game. Uh, Pittsburgh will definitely find their way to a money line dog parlay. Houston Texas Tech, sneaky underrated game in that same spot as a 230 slot with the Badgers. Uh, I think that's a one you kind of just flip over, right? Like you're watching Badgers, Washington State, and then that's kind of rotations. Texas Pittsburgh, it's Houston Texas Tech, unless something else goes crazy. Uh, but that should be a fun game. Again, another one where I'm not really sure why Texas Tech is favored. I do kind of like Houston in that one. Kentucky and Florida is going to be awesome. Anthony Richardson, I think, is must-watch television. So to get to watch Anthony Richardson on Saturday night should be a barrel of fun. And then Arizona State, Oklahoma State makes my list. I think Oklahoma State is back to being that team that scores like 60, and it takes them to win. Uh, that's too many points right now for Oklahoma State, by the way. 11.5 11. is the spread. I'm not mentioning USC Stanford because I think that's going to be a dog walk. Uh, Stanford is bad. I think David Shaw might get fired. And then Baylor BYU to wrap up our night, 9-15. That is not necessarily Pac-12 after dark. It's Mormons after dark, which I don't know how fun that would be. Uh, maybe just a good solid soak session, but it should be a great game. I'm really, really looking for that. And also a good uniform game, uh, aesthetically pleasing game because they have the mountains. And I'm sure they'll have the whiteout. Um, hopefully we won't do a lot of political talk about the whole volleyball thing. You're like, come on, just 915 football. We're drunk already. We don't need any of that. Uh, so thank you very much. All right, moving on to baseball uh, to wrap us up here. So the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers lose two straight games. Uh, they lose to the Colorado Rockies in embarrassing fashion. We talked about it on the podcast a little bit. More so, we talked about team chemistry but it was an embarrassing week for the Brewers thus far until the San Francisco Giants happened. Brewers come to play a weird doubleheader against San Francisco Giants, the first doubleheader at American Family at Field, I think. Uh, they had ones with the COVID stuff, the seven games, seven, or seven innings, excuse me. But the Milwaukee Brewers handled their business. Corbin Burns looked like an ace, struck out 14 batters, only allowed one hit. I mean, the guy was incredible. I think two hits, actually. But he was incredible. He had one of his best pitching performances. I have no idea why he didn't go out in the ninth inning. It was get, The ball was given to Devin Williams. Devin, though, did shut it down, which was great. Um, and you'd love to see that. And then it was kind of a Johnny Holstaff in game number two. Freddie Peralta goes down with a shoulder injury, which is not great. He sounds like he's going to go on the I.L., which is a bummer. Uh, Eric Lauer also left the game with an elbow strain. So now you don't have Lauer, Peralta, Ashby, which is kind of the story of the Brewers a little bit uh, this season. They've they've really struggled with pitching injuries more than they ever have before. Again, I've been highly critical of the Brewer training staff. I was more in the early part of the season, but yet again, that training staff is showing their teeth. 
Uh, the Brewers took advantage of some poor defense by the Giants early, scored three runs, and kind of never looked back. They did get an insurance run. Uh, the Giants clawed back a little bit, but uh, Taylor Rogers gets that save, work, shuts that down, looked really good after a ba- couple bad outings in Colorado. So really, really love what I saw from the Brewers tonight. I have no idea if the momentum will stay um they they gain a game and a half of the phillies they're now two and a half back of philadelphia the padres have the dodgers this weekend so it's there's some ample time to take advantage of it with the brewers playing the reds uh jason alexander gets the ball on friday jason's been all right since returning to rotation uh, but again i i have to have temper expectations because not only do i temper expectations because jason alexander isn't very good I also have temper expectations because the Brewers seem to get these momentum highs and then they never seem to string it together and they don't go on a streak, right? It would be amazing if the Brewers go into St. Louis next week and they have won five straight games, right? And they sweep the Reds and all of a sudden they're right at the the wild card hunt knocking on the door and this team has finally woken up. That would be incredible. As for Saturday and Sunday, uh, all night, Friday and Saturday, both night games. Sunday, you have your day game, a.k.a. Giannis Bobblehead. Old friend Chase Anderson on the mound against Adrian Hauser. Chase Anderson doesn't have it anymore. Uh, He's really bad, folks. Uh, Brewers need to take advantage of that one. That, to me, feels more like a must-win than any Saturday absolute must-win. You need to have that happen. I mean... I might go as far as to say if you wanted to uh, parlay Brewers and uh, Brewers and and the Wisconsin Badgers. Who knows? And then you have Sunday, uh, Giannis bobblehead day. The bobblehead looks awesome. Uh, Justin Dunn, who's been relatively okay for the Cincinnati Reds, going up against Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff's been incredible. Uh, pitched really well in Colorado. Obviously, controversy about pulling him from that game. But yeah, there is no reason why the Brewers should lose this baseball. These three baseball games, Lodoto, the lefty, um, on Friday is easily the toughest one, and the Brewers have a disadvantage pitching wise with Alexander on the mound. But maybe, just maybe, the momentum of Thursday will carry it, and it'll be great. Uh, Nationals are facing the Phillies. The Nationals are red hot. Nationals are playing good baseball, weirdly as a team who's 40 games under 500. Nationals are are frisky. I mean, they're just playing frisky baseball, kind of nothing to lose, um, and teams probably not taking them as seriously as they should. You have that going. You also have the San Diego Padres facing off against the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's in San Diego, so that, that kind of helps the Padres' favor. Padres were a little bit better against the Dodgers last time around, uh, but... There's still that kind of who's your daddy element to it. And Mike Clevenger taking on Dustin May. Both struggled against the opposing team on set on Friday. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the Brewers can gain a game. But you just never know. We got Patrick Corbin on the mound for uh, the Nationals, who's been terrible. And I, Even though the line will be high, and even though Patrick Corbin did pitch well his last two starts, I don't think anyone can wager on Patrick Corbin. It's just not allowed. All right, that does it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let me know if you want anything to change. We will be back Sunday. Uh, We'll try to get on the sticks early. Uh, Maybe not right after. I thought I was going to do something about the house. I just, I know that I have to be packing while watching football uh, all weekend. 
And I think that I, I'm, I'm starting to figure out ways around it. Um, I'm not trying to get out of it. I, I get it. But like I have a TV in my office. My office probably needs to be packed up. Like I easily Saturday night can just be like, all right, I'm going to go into the office and work in here while I'm watching stuff because I don't think any of my friends are around. So I'm just going to do that, right? <laughs> because uh, I don't know. Or I might just go out to the bar and just be like, I'm going to go watch Kentucky, Florida and USC Stanford out at a bar. But my biggest complaint right now at bars is that they just put on one thing and they're just, they call it good. And some are better than others. I will say that. But it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough out here. You gotta, you gotta get all the games, as a friend of mine would say. All right, but yeah, back Sunday night, uh, we'll be talking Packer Vikings. Overreactions. Uh, what are actual, you know, pop, you know, we kind of done this in the past, but what are overreactions and what are actually worth reacting to? Uh, we will do star ratings. I, I might come up with a different name. might just be Golden Kegs. Um, we did the Golden Kegs once, uh, but now we'll do, you know, four kegs, five kegs. Um, so I think that's how we're going to approach it. Star ratings was a cool name, but it, it's a weird, I don't know, uh, whatever. We'll talk about that. I'm planning the show while I'm talking on podcasts. So I'm going to go. All right. See you guys. Uh, if you're still here, love you all. Thank you for the support. And we'll see you tomorrow or Sunday. Bye. Bye.